Greetings and welcome to Creative State, a podcast about arts, culture and heritage in Washington. My name is Karen Hannan, the Executive Director of Arts War, your Washington State Arts Commission. Our mission is to be a catalyst for the arts, advancing the role of the arts in the lives of individuals and communities throughout the state. I am so glad you've joined us to hear about incredible people and their stories across the great state of Washington. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Creative State. I'm Michael Wallenfels, ArtsWaz Communications Manager and your host for the next hour. Today, we're focusing on the Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards. The Governor's Arts Awards were established in 1966, and 23 years later, in 1989, came the Governor's Heritage Awards. They've been together ever since. Pike Place Market was among the very first honorees. Across the decades, there have only been a handful of years that the awards were not held. The most recent time was in 2020, when the pandemic upended our event plans, just as it did arts and heritage plans in communities across the state and across the country. But we were determined to recognize the outstanding contributions of creative Washingtonians in some way. So in 2021, ArtsWall created the Luminary Awards, a special version of the Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards to honor those who use the power of the arts to shine a light for their communities in the darkness of the pandemic. You've been hearing from Luminary honorees all season, and you'll hear from another honoree very soon. So what did we do? We took the event online and we streamed the Luminary Awards as a virtual presentation. It was such a success that we did it again for 2022. And we're thrilled to share the full audio of that 2022 virtual presentation as part of today's podcast. But first, let's meet another Luminary honoree. In Spokane, Washington, just off I-90, sits Stage Left Theater. Jeremy Whittington serves as their artistic and managing director, and his leadership in community building during the pandemic earned him recognition from the state. However, Jeremy's path into the arts had some serious challenges. I hope you find this conversation as inspiring as I did. Now we are here with Jeremy Whittington. Jeremy, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are and your work. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jeremy Whittington. I'm the artistic director here at Stage Left Theater in Spokane, Washington. Um, I am an illustrator, scenic designer, um, writer, and now a theater manager. Sounds like you wear a lot of hats. I do. I've, you know, I've always considered myself one of those jack-of-all-trades kind of people. I'm not exceptional at any one thing, um, especially not acting and singing. Um, <laughs> but I, I do enjoy all of the aspects of the arts. So tell us a bit about your relationship to the arts. How did it start? Where's your relationship to it now? Well, I guess I'd have to say it started uh, as far back as I can remember. Um, my earliest recollections of any kind of art connection for me was in first grade. Um, we had to do drawn book reports, and I chose Green Eggs and Ham, and I drew the characters and wrote, rewrote the story, basically, as, as first graders do. And um, my teacher at the time sent it back to my parents saying that uh, we were told we weren't allowed to copy or trace anything out of books. And uh, I remember my mom was furious because she watched me draw these things 
looking from the book and not tracing them. And uh, so that's the first uh, debacle I had with the arts was actually in first grade. Um, I remember drawing on the back of all my tests growing up um, when I was in third and fourth grade in New Orleans. I attended the New Orleans Academy of Art, Design and Music. So that kind of spurred uh, a realization that art was so much bigger than than green eggs and ham for me. Um, I got to, you know, learn sculpture and painting and things like that. Um, my passion was always comic books growing up. So a lot of my, uh, even now, a lot of my work kind of harkens back to that illustrative technique that I practiced in my early uh, youth and adulthood. I attended Ohio University in Athens, Ohio um, for theater production, and I fell in love with the theater. Uh, I got to act in a few shows and design a few playbills and production posters, and I learned the technique of building and painting sets, which was really interesting and intriguing for me at the time. In my junior year uh, at Ohio University, I fell into a trap that many college students do, and I started partying too much and um, actually delve off the deep end and uh, became an alcoholic and an addict for, for a while. I lost my full ride scholarship to Ohio University and spent, you know, the next 15 years uh, basically waiting tables and bartending um, and living a life that was uh, rough. And yeah, it was it was a hard life. <laughs> In 2009, I had moved out here to Washington State many years prior. In 96, I moved out to Washington State, uh, but in 2009, I got clean and sober. And soon after that, I went back to college and got two degrees in graphic design. While I was attending college, uh, I stumbled back into the theater for the first time in 20 years. I, I saw a production of Sweeney Todd the Musical at Lake City Playhouse in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And it just re-sparked all of this passion that I had for theater that I had uh, I'd forgotten about. Um, you know, I, I'd gotten back into the academic world and um, kind of uh, covered up those regrets of the past, if you will. And uh, so 2014 was my big splash back into the theater world. I started acting again on stage. Um, the artistic director out there at the time uh, had heard that I had drawn comic books in the past and asked me if I would paint a set for him. <laughs> I remember saying, oh, I've never painted before. I, I mean, I've never painted before. I think you're asking the wrong person. And he said, well, I've seen some of your work, so I'll give you $600 if you'll paint this set over in Spokane, Washington for me. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that was my first gig, was painting a set for a show called uh, Boeing Boeing. And I remember when the news article review came out about the show and seeing my name in there and them talking about the set and how beautifully painted it was and just... Uh, I'm getting teary-eyed right now. Uh, I just remember that feeling of, you know, this full circledness. I guess, that uh, life brings you sometimes where everything from my youth kind of culminated and, and was re-gifted to me in a, in a new and unique package then. Um, yeah, so that started my journey of, of scenic design. I did that uh, for multiple theaters here in the Pacific Northwest for a few years. 
And then I moved to Texas, to San Antonio, where I was the resident designer at the Public Theater of San Antonio in 2017 through 2019. Such a great experience. It was uh, the oldest municipally built theater in the country, which was kind of cool. Um, a very old building, a large stage, uh, 350 seating capacity, and a cellar theater that housed, I think 120 was the seating capacity down there. So I was just go, go, go. I was designing, you know, Disney's Newsies and uh, Mamma Mia and, and giant shows, uh, Matilda on the top stage and real quiet, intimate shows, uh, An Infinite Ache and Assassins and um, uh, Real Women Have Curves uh, in the basement. So I, I got this sudden three-year burst of, of explosion in terms of what I learned and, and what I got to create uh, before moving back up here to Spokane in, uh, in fall of 2019, where I took over stage left and I now reside. That sounds like quite an incredible journey and that the arts were running, <laughs> running throughout the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Sorry to make such a short story long. <laughs> no, we welcome that. We absolutely welcome that. I'm, I'm curious. Do you feel like the arts played any role in your recovery? Oh, absolutely. You know, I remember, I remember thinking when I, when I first got sober uh, back in March of 2009, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be funny again. I'm never going to be able to create art again. Like all those uh, misconceptions that people have about uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, that crutch that I had for, you know, almost two decades was not going to be there anymore. And I, I have to say, it was a little bit of a struggle when I first got sober the first couple months of trying to, you know, even draw Wonder Woman or, um, or design a logo for the website I was creating for my, for my new uh, graphic design pursuits. Like all of those things were kind of difficult at first, but I think the the sheer act of creation really lent itself to helping me, I don't know, blossom, for lack of a better term, into the artist that I am today. That's incredible. So let's turn and look forward for a minute. How do you see your work evolving in the future? Well, one of the things that I am really passionate about is exploring uh, the intersection of different artistic um, movements and 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 practices into theater you know theaters to me is the kind of art that is a culmination uh, a big stew pot of all the arts i mean you have music you have you know visual arts you have performance arts um and all of those break into other categories you know you have wood and fabric and metal and and paints and costumes and songs and Theater for me just is this big summer stew of beauty, um, for lack of a better term. It's it's just it's something that brings so many different diverse people together and so many different diverse art forms together that that I think my exploration in the future is um, how to incorporate even more aspects of the art into theater. How do I create a show that is totally based on sculpture? You know, I, I got to design uh, Fun Home, the musical down in San Antonio, and um, I really wanted to hearken to the, to the source material of uh, Alison Bechtel's graphic novel, 
fun home. So I, I drew comic book panels with our cast in it and had word balloons from, from the graphic novel to imply what was happening. And I pasted them all around the, the, uh, the theater in the round that we had in the basement there. And so I like that idea of exploring what can be done unexpectedly and differently um, while creating some new art style or art form. I hope you share it with us when you start making some of these big ideas that you've got here. Oh, absolutely. Happy to. <laughs> Art is nothing if it's not shared, you know? Agreed. So let's go back in time uh, a bit now and, and rewind the clock a couple years um, and lead us to this moment as to why we're having this conversation. So the Luminary Awards, um, for which you were recognized, they recognize artists and cultural organizations who stood as shining lights for their communities during the darkness of the pandemic. So if you can, take us back there and tell us a bit about what you did during that time. Sure, sure. You know, when COVID hit, we, I think everyone kind of thought it was going to be a two-week shutdown, and then it was maybe a 30-day shutdown. And I think once we realized that it was going to last longer than two months, um, we started talking about how that pivot might look for us as a theater. Um, some of my closest friends, Robert Tomberry, Paul Watts, Elizabeth Kitzig, Michael Schmidt, the, the five of us kind of got together and started brainstorming about what we could do during a pandemic. Um, the first result was a series called Masterpiece Monologues that was actors given New Works scripts uh, in an email and they would film themselves doing these monologues however they chose. Um, it could be a standard stand there and speak the monologue or some of them turned them into mini film noirs. I mean, there was a, such a variety of, of what we received back. Um, but the biggest, I think, blessing that came of that is the artists involved were all just so excited to be making something, you know, to be creating something. I think that the that theater specifically and any performing arts really took the biggest brunt of, you know, of the pandemic because the people that are involved in these uh, businesses, because they are businesses, uh, felt like they were stifled, that there was no creative process. And then you see all of these uh, wonderful poems and, and, and online concerts come out of the pandemic that, that really were so special and might not have been possible or even fathomed uh, had this pandemic not happened. So we started small with this monologue series and uh, then we, we wrote a grant in hopes that we could produce some one-person plays. And uh, we received that Spokane Arts grant and it allowed us to produce four one-person shows. What we did is we had each actor come in with their director and stage manager. So there's only four people in, in the theater at a time and they would rehearse for their three or four weeks. And then we would film these, these one-person shows from multiple camera angles and basically edit them into a feature-length film. Those got so many great reviews. Uh, people were so excited. At first, you know, there was the skepticism of, this is not live theater. That was what we heard a lot in the beginning when we first started the very first one. And of course, it's not live theater. We knew that. Uh, we weren't able to make live theater, though. So 
we as artists needed to still find that outlet that allowed us to be creative. So each of those shows, uh, you know, we streamed for two weeks each and uh, that kept us profitable and, and viable as a theater. And it also kept us in the public eye. Uh, that was really important for us is to, um, to maintain a connection with our public. You know, when, when the pandemic shut us down, we only got to see each other in tiny little boxes in Zoom meetings. And that was difficult. Um, for, for a lot of us. And so I think that doing those small festivals that we did and then the, and the four one-person shows during the pandemic really helped keep connection. And gosh, I mean, if humans need anything, they need connection. Learn more about Stage Left Theater at stageleftheater.com that's theater with an E-R, dot O-R-G, where you can also get tickets for their upcoming production of Sweeney Todd. Learn more about Jeremy at jeremycreates.com. And also, head to our YouTube channel for the full interview with Jeremy. This was only the first half of a really fascinating conversation. Now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the 2022 Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards virtual presentation. Hi, my name is Tony Gomez and I'm an arts administrator and working musician from Tacoma and it's my privilege to be your host for the 2022 Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards. Today we're celebrating nine honorees from across the state, and we'll learn more about each of them in a moment. But first, an acknowledgement. Today we're filming from the North Seattle College, located on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, and more specifically, the territories of the Duwamish. We acknowledge elders past and present as new generations continue to practice their cultures and languages in these time-hallowed places. We also recognize the First Nations across the state whose land the awardees work to share art with their communities. And now a word from Arts Wa's Executive Director, Karin Hannon, to tell you a little more about these awards. Thanks, Tony. We're excited once again to be able to shine a spotlight on the individuals and organizations that nurture and grow this state's unique cultural identity. These prestigious awards were first established in 1966. For over 50 years, they have honored artists, arts organizations, advocates, tradition bearers, educators, cultural policymakers, and many large and small cultural organizations across the state. Last year, we reimagined the award categories to recognize the individuals and organizations who used arts and heritage to lift up their communities during the pandemic. Though challenges remain, we're proud to acknowledge the progress we've made as a state and as a society by returning to the traditional award categories. To begin the celebration of your work and your achievements, here's a message from our governor, Jay Inslee. Hi, and welcome to the 2022 Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards. I'd like to 
First, thank Executive Director Karen Hannon and her staff at the Washington State Arts Commission for the care and the continued passion they put into this annual tradition and for their dedicated work to support our creative economy statewide. This year, we're honoring nine remarkable individuals and organizations whose work makes Washington such a vibrant and exciting place to live, to work, and to explore. Congratulations to Yegi Michael, Yvonne Johnson, One Reel, Rob Hunt, Dow Constantine, Music Works for Veterans, Carol E. Martha Lee Douglas, Deep D. Agrawal, and the historic Lincoln Theater. You'll hear more about them as the program goes on, uh, but this heritage reminds us to preserve the wisdom and joy of our cultural traditions, even as we look to the future. I'm proud to support the Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards for many reasons. We're recognizing the incredible work and the legacy uh, be left by our honorees. Good luck. Let's keep the arts rolling. This year's Governor's Individual Artist Award goes to Yegi Michael, a public artist whose work has been exhibited not only in Washington, but throughout Africa, Europe, and North America. Yegi's art pieces are also located throughout Seattle, including a painted mural near Pike Place Market and a 45-foot-long wall mosaic in Seattle's Greenbridge Housing Project. Yegi is also the art director for the Delridge Neighborhood Development Association, where he works with disadvantaged youth, teaching them real-life skills through art. Beyond his work as an artist and educator, Yegi is also a community events organizer. Every year, Yegi promotes local artists and musicians for the Delridge Neighborhood Development Association's Arts and Nature Festival. Because he is an inspiration, a mentor, and an award-winning artist, Yegi Michael receives the 2022 Governor's Individual Artist Award. My art is a meditation on my life experiences, family, and community. Inspired by history, culture, and ancient memories, I combine these elements to create a vivid story about humanity. I'm grateful for this award. I thank my family, friends, supporters, art community, and co-workers. A special thank you to my co-worker, Molly, for nominating me for this award. I would also like to express my gratitude to the Governor's Office and the Washington State Art Commission. Thank you. The second 2022 Governor's Individual Artist Award goes to Yvonne A.K. Johnson, Executive Director of the Spokane Valley Performing Arts Center. Since founding the organization in 2015, Yvonne has helped to fill an artistic niche for the underserved urban and rural areas of the Inland Northwest. She's more than doubled the Spokane Valley Performing Arts Center's operating budget. Her artistic leadership and business acumen were recognized by the Spokesman Review when they named her a 2021 Difference Maker. The following year, Spokane Coeur d'Alene Living Magazine named her one of 2022's Women in Business honorees. Yvonne not only successfully led Spokane Valley Performing Arts Center through the pandemic, but she has also been instrumental in securing facilities for the future. She is now spearheading a $36 million capital campaign to build a multi-use, technologically advanced performing arts center for the city of Spokane Valley. For her passionate, steadfast work as an arts organization leader and artistic director, Yvonne A.K. Johnson receives a Governor's Individual Award for 2022. 
we have a mighty village at Spokane Valley Summer Theater that serves our community and region with love and light for generations to come. A special thank you to our talented creative, production, technical, and administrative teams that make dreams come true. On behalf of our entire company, I am deeply honored to receive a Governor's Arts and Heritage Award. Thank you. This year's Arts Organization Award goes to OneReel. Over five decades, OneReel has produced events, concert series, and theater opportunities that have shaped Washington's cultural landscape. From 1972 to 2019, OneReel produced the popular Seattle Center Arts Festival known as Bumbershoot, which has seen tremendous growth and is now an iconic Seattle event. The Summer Nights Concerts at the Pier from 1991 to 2005 brought in thousands of locals and tourists contributing to Seattle's waterfront vitality. OneReel's resume also includes Pianos in the Park, the Family Fourth at Lake Union, the Jimi Hendrix Guitar Festival, the Seattle Art Museum's Black and White Ball, the Goodwill Games Arts Festival, and so many more. These all speak to OneReel's mission to increase participation and opportunities for artists and audiences from all backgrounds, and to leave a lasting cultural legacy for the future. For its continued work to this noble mission, we're happy to recognize OneReel with a 2022 Governor's Arts Organization Award. What began as a group of actors traveling to public parks to perform in a fold-down stage in the back of a truck evolved into a resilient arts organization that has entertained generations of audiences and advanced opportunities for artists and arts organizations in our community since 1972. That means OneReel has spent a half a century defying expectations and changing the rules for what an arts organization can accomplish. From our current programming like Art Saves Me and Public Display, to Pianos in the Park, Summer Nights at the Pier, Family Fourth, Womad, and of course, Bumper Shoot, our programming shares a common theme of making arts accessible to all. This award is for all those who have contributed to our mission and to the doers and dreamers who have made it possible. We thank Governor Inslee and the Washington State Arts Commission in recognizing OneReel's past and present contributions to the arts. This recognition, as well as the important funding you make possible to organizations like ours, is a godsend. Thank you. The Governor's Arts Legacy Award for 2022 goes to Rob Hunt, the executive producer of Village Theatre in Issaquah. Thanks to Rob's vision and leadership, what began as a small community theater in 1979 has grown into one of the leading regional theater companies across the nation. Rob has overseen the construction of four, soon to be five, arts facilities in Issaquah. And through a collaboration with the city of Everett, Rob is expanding Village Theater outside of King County. His legacy includes Village Theater's nationally acclaimed Village Originals program, which has produced over 180 new musicals, including two Tony Award winners. He also developed the wildly successful Kids Stage program, which has inspired more than one million youth in Issaquah and Everett. For his 43 years at the helm of a beloved, successful, and growing regional theater company, Rob Hunt, you receive the 2022 Governor's Arts Legacy Award. I've been privileged to lead Village Theater for the past 43 years, and I am honored to receive this recognition. It has been a team effort, and I want to thank the boards of directors, the incredible staff, the donors and subscribers, 
and the cities of Issaquah and Everett for their commitment to bringing quality performing arts and arts education to their communities. As a strong leader and lifetime champion of the arts, King County Executive Dow Constantine receives this year's Governor's Arts Advocacy Award. Over his lengthy career, Dow has used his political capital to preserve, nurture, and advance the arts. Whether helping to save historic theaters or supporting the preservation of independent live theater venues, Dow has championed working artists, creatives, and the cultural vitality of King County. His commitment was never more visible than during the pandemic. Under his leadership, King County passed the first arts COVID recovery funding in the entire state, awarding $2 million to For Culture and $750,000 to independent live music venues. And when funds became available through the Federal American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, Dow quickly distributed $34.9 million to the struggling cultural sector throughout the county. Dow understands and speaks strongly about the value arts bring to the quality of life for Washington residents. For his continued commitment and his legacy of support, the 2022 Governor's Arts Advocacy Award goes to King County Executive Dow Constantine. It is an honor to receive the Governor's Award for Arts Advocacy. As a son of a visual artist, I was raised in a home that valued art, music, theater. Uh, I was trained in jazz, but uh, developed a love of popular music and rock and roll like most kids. And that led me to the college radio station. That's where I met my wife. And today we're raising our eight-year-old daughter in a home that also values the arts. For communities to be vibrant, have a vibrant arts presence, we need to support artists and arts organizations, but also the places where art happens, the places for people to create and to perform and to display their work. Thank you for this award, and let's keep working together to create those vibrant communities. Beginning in 2012, Music Works for Veterans began holding informal music jams for veterans and their families in Thurston County as a way to build community and support. For this continuing work, it receives the 2022 Governor's Arts Community Organization Award. Collaborating with community centers such as Cowlitz Tribal Center in DuPont, Lakewood Gardens in Lakewood, the Lacey Veterans Service Hub, and the Quixote Veterans Village in Ording, the SoundVet Jams provide safe havens and a nurturing place for active duty military, veterans, and their families who may be facing trauma. Many participants say the opportunity to create music together helped them form a trusting social bond which supported their transition to civilian life. And for its progressive and continuous work with veterans in community, the 2022 Governor's Arts Community Organization Award goes to Music Works for Veterans. I'd like to thank you for this award. I want to thank our veterans, families, and service members who have given so much for our country. I want to thank Music Works for Veterans team members and community partners. I want to thank um, Artswa, Lake Wold Gardens, Veterans Family Fund of America, and many, many more. And I'd also like to share that uh, the impact that Music Works for Veterans has on our community, which uh, introduces veterans and families into the healing benefits that music can bring into their lives. In Snohomish County, we recognize Carol and Martha Lee Douglas, 
as the 2022 Governor's Individual Heritage Award honoree. Carol is a world-renowned master weaver and advocate for basketry preservation. Her specialty is coiled baskets that tell the personal story of her Northern Arapahoe and Seminole cultures. Her baskets are in many notable collections, including the Brooklyn Art Museum, the Montclair Art Museum in Newark, New Jersey, the Autry National Center in Los Angeles, and the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art in Kansas City, Missouri. For years, Carol has taught at the Weavers Teaching Weavers Northwest Indian College in Lummi, Washington, helping to grow and preserve the tradition of native basket weaving. As a tradition bearer and heritage artist, we recognize and honor Carol Amarthalee Douglas with a Governor's Individual Heritage Award for 2022. Hi everyone, I'm Carol Amarthalee Douglas, Northern Arapahoe and Seminole basket weaver, a resident of the Seattle area for 34 years. I would like to thank Megan McDermott, the person that nominated me, my family, and the Washington State Arts Commission for recognizing me and my work. And I would also like to thank all the basket weavers and encourage them as they carry on the tradition and culture of uh, basket weaving so they can carry that on for our future generations. Thank you. Our second Governor's Individual Heritage Award goes to Deepthi Agrawal. Based in Bothell, Deepthi is a world-renowned expert in Madhubani painting. She's also a successful art entrepreneur, educator, and philanthropist. Deepthi was selected as a master artist in the Center for Washington Cultural Traditions Art Apprenticeship Program for the last four years. A celebrated speaker on the Humanities Washington Speakers Bureau roster, Deepthi not only talks about her traditional art form, but also passionately describes how the paintings reflect the belief systems and stories of a small region in Northwest India. She has been instrumental in the Indian art movement of Washington State and serves on the board of the Friends of Asian Art Association. For her long-standing work in traditional art projects, for contributing to successful and meaningful public events, and for her passionate commitment to cultural awareness, Deepthi Agrawal receives the Governor's Individual Heritage Award for 2022. Thank you, Governor Inslee and the Washington State Arts Commission for this prestigious honor. I owe it to the true keepers of the legacy who over centuries have ensured that the tradition stays intact and is safely passed down. I am here today because of the incredible support from Humanities Washington and Artswa, who have helped me ascend on my mission to shape creatively dynamic, culturally rich and socially sensitive individuals. The non-profit organizations like King County Library System, Seattle Art Museum and Kirkland Arts Center have tremendously helped me in my early career to bring under spotlight my traditional practices and their importance in adding to the cultural vitality of the state of Washington. I thank you immensely for your generosity and support. The Governor's Heritage Organization Award for 2022 goes to the historic Lincoln Theater located in Mount Vernon. One of the last surviving vaudeville houses north of Seattle, the historic Lincoln Theater is recognized as a key player in the revitalization of downtown Mount Vernon. Built in 1926, much of the theater has been renovated to preserve its historic significance. 
The theater's front of house was renovated even as the theater was shuttered by the pandemic. And since the 1920s, the theater has been an essential arts venue in the Skagit Valley. Today, it hosts over 30,000 attendees a year, serving a diverse audience. From films to educational programs for children and adults, the theater has been a consistent community resource for 102 years. As an historic building, a home for cultural activities in Skagit County, and as an economic hub for downtown Mount Vernon, the Governor's Heritage Organization Award for 2022 goes to the historic Lincoln Theater. My name is Roger Geetson, and I am so honored to accept the Governor's Heritage Award for Organization in 2022 on behalf of the Lincoln Theater Center Foundation. We wouldn't be here today without our dedicated staff, over 300 volunteers, 700 members, our grantors, the NEA, ArtsWA, Skagit County, and many local private foundations, the Lincoln Theater Board of Directors, the City of Mount Vernon, our Skagit County Commissioners, and above all, the performers, students, and community members who have graced our stage since 1926. Thanks so much for joining us for the Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards. They simply would not have been possible without the participation of many people, starting with you. Thanks to those of you that submitted nominations. Each award begins with those of you who take time to tell us about nominees in your community. It's not too early to begin thinking about next year's. Also, a big thank you to our sponsors and supporters. We recognize valuable partners like Arts Fund who make events like this possible. The Governor's Arts and Heritage Awards is just one of many programs and services that ArtsWA supports. You can learn more about ArtsWA's arts and education programs, grants to organizations, the Art in Public Places program, which you can explore online through My Public Art Portal, as well as the Creative Districts program, the State Poet Laureate, and the new Wellness Arts and the Military program, all online at arts.wa.gov. Thanks. Congratulations again to all the 2022 honorees and to everybody who helped us put the virtual presentation together. Learn more about the honorees and their work and watch the full video of the virtual presentation at arts.wa.gov G-A-H-A. Our final segment comes, of course, from ArtsWA's Wellness Arts in the Military team. For this episode, Program Manager Brian Bales and Vet Corps Navigator Gabriella Smith sat down at ArtsWA's Olympia office to talk with veteran artist Jeffrey Bowden. Visit jeffreybowden.com, that's G-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-O-W-T-O-N.com to learn more about Jeffrey and see powerful examples of his artwork.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wellness Arts in the Military. And as you know it, the greatest acronym in all state programming, the WAM program. Uh, this is our section, and uh, I'm joined today by, of course, my co-host here and VetCorps member, Gabby Smith. Hello. And then uh, we have a special guest for you all today. He is a veteran artist by the name of Jeffrey Bowton. How's it going, man? Good. Uh, it's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me today. I'm so happy you're here. So, you know, before we get started, I, you know, I think it's really important. Uh, you know, I just want to say we saw you at um, the Tacoma Glass Museum for their Veterans Day um, event. And, you know, your speech was so powerful. Um, you know, your story, I think, is very compelling. And, you know, to not to mention, I think you're an amazing artist on top of that. Um, so I would just, you know, kind of love to hear um you know kind of background on how you got started um you know in the arts yeah well thanks for thanks for that introduction um so for me um working in the metal building trades um, i kind of was doing artistic things on the side like ever since i was a kid and uh just something to do with the skills that i kind of earned and i liked working with the material but not always for the job so that's when i realized i could do things for others um, on the side uh, that's kind of where it started, but as um, time progressed for me and getting into the military, um, that transition for me was 15 years after my adult working career life. So I joined in when I was 32 years old. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it was a recession in 2008, um, so it was just there's no work anywhere, um, and it, that was really what I was looking at. I always yeah. wanted to serve, and a few years had gone by since 9-11 had happened. So for me, it was just thinking it's a good transitional time. I can still kind of make money um, and then move into something I always wanted to do. But during that process, um, those things came out of me, my previous life. So when I became a non-commissioned officer on my second deployment, um, the leadership was really curious as to what my story was, why I came in so late and mm -hmm. um, what I used to do. So using that in mind, um, I was then tagged for other duties, you know, outside of our regular duties as an infantryman. And then moving into country, um, that's where all these things are built, you know, with wood and using all these tools. So that's when it really started for me was doing things kind of outside our regular duties. Um, you know, at the end of the day, whenever we don't, we're at downtime, I just pick up tools and make things. Yeah. So it was usually out of like a, like a, an order, kind of like a, uh, in your spare time, hey, we need these things for these guys, and hey, could you make this also? So we'd start using other people to come in and help, and that led to training Afghanis too there while we're doing stuff, so that was fun. Mm -hmm. But I think what really inspired me was, you know, leaving combat, leaving the battlefield, coming off, you know, maybe we were in contact that day, maybe somebody's injured. Uh, just kind of gave me a chance to escape from those kind of ideas for the day. Uh, so you drop the kit, pick up the tools, and start doing something useful uh, with my hands. And so that's really what it was about was the communal living environment. How do you make that better? Mm -hmm. But then in the same time, I was like, well, you know, this could be fun if I blew up this, you know, patch on our shoulder to something larger, put in the hallway we could look at. Or I'd make like a barber's chair. So when people came into the S1 office, they get haircuts. But as a modified Humvee chair, we put, I put like arm armrests on there cool. for them to sign. And, uh, they could put all their stuff in the back, like, you know, tools for cutting hair. But the, the point was it provided that hot seat for guys to come into S1 and not only, no, normally talk about finances, they could shift gears and talk about other stuff, kind of like being back at home. Yeah. So that was really what was fun for me was, you know, creating furniture, just all that iconography that we saw in front of us as military. Um, that's really what was the inspiration. So that 
started there and that's kind of yeah I, I guess there's some things that happened later but um mm -hmm. that's where it started really i think the idea that i could be creative was that a part of the six whiskey that <laughs> yeah. you're mentioning okay yeah 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 six whiskey was uh so it, it turned into something we, mm -hmm. we we were the command team so we're always leaving the uh, the fobs that were on to go out to different cop locations fob locations and take the lieutenant colonel out mm -hmm. and so typically when we go there we'd find a location that needed some kind of support we oh we need some more things here all right well let's get some guys to, to come back and you know build some things come back and better their living environment so that kind of started just out of necessity but then at the same time you know to you know, change the mood, so to speak. Boost morale. Boost morale. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly what it was. It was. It was kind of in partnership with the MWR. I made like a movie theater, had some guys help. We did like a wow. beach volleyball pit. I reinvigorated the gyms and, and did all kinds of stuff. Now, was your beach, was your beach <laughs> volleyball pit reminiscent of Top Gun? <laughs> Sweaty, shirtless, yeah. Levi jeans. Mm. I don't know if it would go that far. <laughs> we didn't have any cool flybys or, you yeah, know, yeah. It was just, again, it was something that we could do to detach. You know, we just, mm. I mean, sometimes we would leave two, three times a day, you know, every day. Yeah. Um, and then our days off, we were working on the fobs for the trucks or, you know, doing some kind of refit. But we were really busy. But for me, that's really what, you know, kind of brought me spirit for the rest of the guys and just mm -hmm. the people around. And it grew infectious to where, hey, can I get a request? Can I get this made? Hey, what about this? That's awesome. And then the XO came up to me one day, and you know it really went over the top, because he's like, you got to get the colonel something, because he, he wants something now. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun, because, you know, we have a ceremonial thing we do with our battalion. We have a, a, co a, a crest that will go everywhere to, like, any kind of, like, briefing or really anything, and we use it for memorials for or, uh, KIAs. Uh, but what was important was it was breaking and it needed to be repaired. So that's really what the first thing was that he wanted was that the command sergeant major was like, we need this done because mm -hmm. this, is, this is us. This is our, 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 yeah. our signifier. Uh, yeah, and that's really what was so great is because the people that I was with were, were supporting that kind of effort and then utilizing someone that had skills to do it. Yeah. So that was really what was fun for everybody, to be honest. What kind of trades were you doing before before you joined? I said metal work. Was right. it like welding? Um, like what, what, what yeah. exactly were you doing that, that kind of did the building blocks for this? Right. I think, um, you know, it's, I was doing union construction. And okay. so I went to a building trade school for five years. Um, it worked in and around those job sites with all those other types of practitioners of the sub subcontractors so you kind of get a collective sense of how to build just by seeing other things around you as well mm -hmm. you don't always have to be this person to be able to do something else uh, so for me it, it transitioned from the, the material of metal and the it, obviously it's thin and used for different purposes but how you construct and how you fabricate is I mean very similar with wood so it just was a natural transition yeah. to be able to do stuff yeah. Talk, you know, talking about transition, you know, you used, uh, you know, your artistic, your metalwork skills to, um, you know, just create betterment, you know, when you were on these, uh, you know, when you were deployed and, you know, out at these out at these fobs and, and, you know, creating things to make, you know, to make the lives for, you know, your fellow soldiers better. Uh, what was the transition, you know, you know, coming out of the military and then deciding that this was something that you wanted to do yeah that was uh undiscovered i had no idea what mm -hmm. was happening because for me um 
you know, so I was 39 and kind of pushing a fork in the road, you know, with, with my military career. Do I continue and go, you know, and progress in the ranks and, you know, do what you're supposed to do? Do I shift and perhaps go into, uh, I was thinking of the um, Corps of Engineers, mm -hmm. uh, because I've had, I, I collected a couple of injuries along the way. I had a couple of vehicle rollovers that injured my spine. I had an injury in um, Afghanistan that blew up my hip cavity. Um, so for me at that age, it's like, how do you move forward into more um, infantry work, more grunt work, yeah. more laborious work? I thought, man, I got to do something. So coming back home, I thought, well, I have a job. Um, and everyone had an extension for the timelines to, to finish off the deployment. So we had an extension to contract. And uh, I, I was ready to just come home rather than resign and get out. I was happy to be alive, happy to be home. I think a lot of, a lot of us were. Yeah. Uh, and so that I just went back to my old trade job. You know, I went back home uh, down to Portland and just picked up four months later. Uh, I started swinging a hammer. <laughs> um, so for me, I just kind of checked out and dismissed all of what I needed to pay attention to. Uh, I thought, I have a job. I'm not looking back. I was kind of just scrambled in the sense of transition. Um, and three, three brigades were clearing at that time. That, that's 15, 13 battalions. You know, mm -hmm. that's thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, it was maddening. So uh, I think um, I just fell onto what made the most sense and I could get right back into something else and keep my mind active. But coming off of my duties and, and work in the military, that's what I needed to kind of be perpetuating because my brain and activity level never shut off. So I'd fill in every little void that I had um, for a couple of years after service to just feel like I could continue that normalcy. Mm -hmm. uh, but then my body broke down, like I needed to address some surgeries. I couldn't perform my metalworking duties anymore. Um, so I, I started to contemplate, well, you know, back in Afghanistan, I was making these things and guys said, hey, I'll pay you to make me this or that when we come home. And I thought, well, sure, that could be fun, but yeah. is that sustainable? Is that really a job, is a whole business? I mean. So that was a lot of thought at the time, but it started to become more sensible when I was presented with these options of, well, not really options. It was more of like a, um, I don't know, just had to make a, like a sense of change just because I knew I wasn't going down a, a positive path. And so, you know, I thought, well, the GI Bill would work doing the post 9-11 yeah. Montgomery GI Bill. Yeah. And then kind of redirecting um, my steps into a different career. but kind of bringing along a lot of stuff that I've used. So I felt that that could help me achieve what I wanted to do in the arts, but I really didn't have any idea mm -hmm. <laughs> what that would look like. So I felt confident, but um, I just kind of fell into the idea of school. Um, I went for four years and it just really became like a therapy session in the end. Um, I could talk about that for a while, but um, that's really the starting point to my art was in 2015 when I decided that that's what I was gonna do. It was really strange. I was driving home from um, work downtown Portland and mm -hmm. was taking some back roads because of the traffic. And uh, I was—I used to work around this area when I was a, a younger guy, about 1920. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, right, this hospital's right here. And I was daydreaming. I look over to the right and I saw a craft school. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go check out this craft school. I've never yeah. even knew it was there. And it was. Apparently it was like a 120 year old craft school. So wow, right over my head, right? I mean, I drove by that place yeah. hundreds of times. Yeah. Uh, so it came full circle in the end because I started a metal career just down the street at a hospital. And then I'm kind of reinvigorating my life and starting in a similar landscape space with an art career. And I just kind of found it funny.
that to is, draw those parallels. But. And, and so did you enroll into that craft school? Yeah, I did. Um, I started out doing metal smithing um, because it just made sense. Yeah. Right? I mean, work with metal, I knew metal. Um, but what I started to realize is metal smithing in the non-ferrous world, in the artistic world, it's adornment, um, jewelry, um, things of smaller scale, not necessarily mm-hmm. 5,000 pounds and you rig it on a crane and throw it in a building. I mean, it's <laughs> for me, I was like, this is like model making to metal. So I, I felt really estranged to it. Okay. Um, and I still continued on though, because I love the practice. There's a lot of new things I didn't know about. Yeah. But at the same time, simultaneously, I was... Um, I had a summer studies program that I had attended, which was a glass program. And so while I was doing metal classes, I was also doing glass classes privately with a professional group of people. Um, just, I probably did as much, if not more, with the glass class and studio time as I did in my undergraduate college. Wow. Um, yeah, I just was always, you know, busy around the yeah, clock. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so that's, I just gained a lot of information during that period of time. but. Um, I first went into it just thinking skill building, material usages, you know, I'll, I'll talk about I don't know what, but um, the more that the teachers gave you prompts and the more you were, you know, um, encouraged to make things that you were, you know, um, concerned about, things about your life, something mm-hmm. that, you know, stood out the most, what is it that speaks to the person in art that can be brought out of the artist? And so, of course, like military was fresh on my mind, and that's where it started for me was, you know, I, as I've looked back now, I see well, how do you, you know, go after these things? You know, how do you start working towards success for healing? Yeah. Start writing, start doing these things. All that stuff that people talk about on the outside, it's exactly how it's formulated and, and addressed to you in art school. You know, as you build yourself in content, you're, you're discovering who you are, but it's very similar to what transition is for someone. They, mm-hmm. they go through this identity crisis, mm-hmm. right, of, of, of going, I'm not a soldier, I'm not a, this person yeah. in the military anymore. Yeah. Where am I, who am I, what am I doing? So that's why I'm just going right back to metal. I'm good. But I, w- I was living a false identity, as a false narrative that eventually led me to a, a hole in the ground and I had to just shift fire and do something entirely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, I mean, it was very... <laughs> It's very challenging, but looking back, it was the best thing I could have done for myself, to yeah. be honest. What was that? What was that realization like for you when it was like the you know the switch hit that was like, oh my gosh, this is this is what I need. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that that's a good question. I think the first year it was just kind of you know you f- you toe the line, you follow suit, you mm-hmm. show up at the right place, at the right time. And I was just kind of exfoliating a lot of surface level tension, a lot of surface level feelings, mm-hmm. drawing things out. They were coming out of me, just particular faces or colors or those kinds of things. But I felt just kind of loose. I didn't really care. Uh, but it wasn't probably till the second or third year when the challenges started to come into the scope of what you're doing, like your thesis work, your building to graduate. Mm-hmm. So they have all these stages and steps that you do. It's very much like an apprenticeship that I went through. So I, I realized that I knew things would change later, but I just kind of was going through the motions um, because it's just so much to process personally uh, outside of military, with family life, you know, jobs, friends, family, you know, yeah, it's just a lot. Um, Not to mention, you know, the, the needs base, have, having food and putting a roof over your head, <laughs> that, and, you yeah. know, all right. of that. Yeah. I had a question. So you talked about kind of seeing the faces and that's what you wrote about. So did you stay connected to anyone in the military and did you try to show their stories as well in your artwork? Yeah, um, that's a, 
that's a touchy question to the guys I serve with because mm. of what we did and um, how we dispersed. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily that we don't want to. I think there's so much that we went through and so mm -hmm. much to unpack. Uh, the specific team that I was with was pretty much scrambled from all the events yeah. and didn't want to keep reliving that kind of yeah. of course focal structure. Um, what was it that you, sorry, I missed that. You asked me to. I was just wondering if you had stayed connected or if there was any stories you connected in your artwork. Yeah, I think so. During the time in school, I wasn't necessarily seeking for that. But once I realized, oh, okay, these stories have came back and mm. to, to my surface level of thought, like things that are packed way down inside, yeah. they start to come up with all these little different things that you do through the process. Then I started to realize, hey, I should reach out. Mm -hmm. I should talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. I should ask this guy, I should ask that guy. Um, but once the work became more public and started to go out into the social media platforms, mm -hmm. then people were coming to me and ah. asking me more, reaching out to me more, um, right. and just kind of, oh, I remember that time. Oh, that's right, we did do those things. Or, you know, that kind of recollection is what's so important about the work that generated out of that time for me right. was it draw, it, excuse me, it drew everyone to a place of community, like discussion, mm -hmm. you know, like what do we, how do you feel, what, what was it that we did, like, but we didn't have that, but 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's a long time to, to just put stuff away mm -hmm. and, and pack it in these rabbit holes and never go back to them. So that's also what school was, was initiating me mm -hmm. to go out of, of my comfort zone I never thought I'd be, especially in a place like this today, yeah. but going down that um, path of just giving it back and expressing and talking like, you know, yeah. <laughs> right it's now. not really on your mind. Yeah. Uh, it's exactly. not really the first thing you want to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because yeah. a lot of the artwork that you had displayed at the presentation from the Glass Museum was a lot of the items from your military career mm -hmm. and you know, my father and my uncle, they all have their military items with them stored away and they don't look at it. And so to kind of see your items in a different perspective in an art form, it was it was really good. And thank you for sharing that because it brought me to my community somehow. Yeah, it's interesting you touched on that. That was the biggest discovery for me was going through the duffel bags, going through yep. the tough boxes. Mm -hmm. um, that started for like a source of what can I gain from this, like these um, objects, you know, what's in there, what can I find? Yeah. Uh, came across a notebook, you know, things I wrote down, um, a thing that I kept things inside, like pictures and other notes, or like the gloves I wore, the boots I wore, like, oh, that's right, I did these things. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very much um, tangible. Now, I learned from a boss of mine that I work with in the metal world um, just before going into the arts. He had something similar, um, but effective in a negative way. Mm. He was from Desert Storm, a Marine, um, spent time on the ground doing stuff there. <coughs> um, so when he came home, he just put it all in a box, literally put it in a box and hadn't touched it for 20 years. Wow. So I came back into, or I came into his picture, came back into the trades, came back into his, his world and brought military into conversation. So I think that prompted him to start thinking more, start to wonder more about himself, where am I really at? Mm -hmm. And he came to the point of opening up the box and he was just terrified to, to crack the air out of the box. He didn't <laughs> want to know what was coming out, yeah. like the Indiana Jones scene, like don't yeah. open that box. Yeah. <laughs> but for, what, for him, uh, it turned into a regression. Mm. Uh, he, he, he started having post-traumatic stress issues 
Uh, he couldn't drive his car. He couldn't go to work. He couldn't confront people. Wow. He had to like isolate from public. Just boom, like like instantly. Twenty years later. So I think that that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. What you just brought up, the idea of that gear, because they're essentially like pictures. You know, yeah. Like you see a picture of your guys, you're like, oh, we did these things. There we yeah. are. Oh, that's awesome. Glad we have a picture. It's kind of like that with the gear, but it doesn't visually announce that. You're like. We all wore these. We all went these places. We all did these things with our hands or yeah. put the stuff in these bags. Yeah. You know, it really starts to think about, you know, the the other persons that were next to you and what were they? Where, where's their stuff? How are they doing? Yeah. You know, if you're going through those feelings by yourself, like, that's a big cognitive experience that you're like, you need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. what am I going through? Right. So it's, it's right. scary. Uh, it's not like scary to be confronting your fortitude towards serving as a combat person it's more or less the fears of just the unknown i think we all have that inside mm -hmm. you know that once you know no matter who you were and what you did you're still going to have that feeling exactly and wow. you put it out there you put it to the public you know and that's a that's a really big part of just that transition and coming forward with your story yeah, yeah. what was that what was that like like just being able to bear you know essentially your soul through yeah. your artwork you know, for, for people to see and judge. In and, terms of know. the last, uh, just uh, like a week ago? Yeah, I mean, talk just, or, yeah, uh, your artwork just in, in general. general. Yeah. Um, you know, gosh, I just feel like I'm standing at the tip of the spear. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm standing in front of all of who's, who's a part of the military. You mm -hmm. know, like they're behind this story. So it's not just, yes, they're personal stories, but it's a collective group and all of these stories. So it's not just one person's focal point of this is what I did, this is my sufferings, or this is my gains, or whatever. It's more of here's the vehicle that shows that a bunch of people did this. Yeah. <laughs> and not everybody's going to run out and talk about it or convey that they need help or that help meaning I just want to talk. Yeah. That's the help. It's not like you need band-aids or drugs or these right. things. You just need conversation. Right. That's it. That's the help. Yeah. So I think it's hard for for people to ask for those things, yeah. especially in crisis. So I think that the, what the work is doing is it's allowing that through line to have a conversation back and forth, like for my boss, for example. So now I'm, I'm more thoughtful of checking yeah. up on him every so often um, just to see how he's doing. And he's only a part of my life for a period of time. Mm -hmm. So you just know the importance of that, I guess, once you've served. Yeah, what, what would you tell somebody um, I guess, oh, how am I trying to word this? Um, yeah, I had this great thought in my <laughs> head, and now it's, you know, it's jumbled coming out because that's that's how it goes sometimes. Sure. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you what would you tell a service member or, you know, about, you know, question. who who may be hesitant to like connect into the arts, you know, because you you hear a lot of things, you know, when people think of when people think of the arts, you know, they don't necessarily think. You know, they think, oh, that's for a certain type of people or, you know, whatever, this, that and the other. But, you know, realistically, you know, 100 percent of the people utilize the arts in some way, shape or form. So, like, what would you what would you say to somebody who might be hesitant about, you know, accepting that? I mean, what do you have to lose? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for starters, but I, I think, you know. Why not try something new? Um, you know, I think that that's when we learn the most about ourselves is when we delve into and get our toes wet with this new venture. Um, mm -hmm. We heighten our senses. We're more awake. We're more alert to that idea because of the newness of it. Mm -hmm. The complacency is what kills us all, right? So the, the idea of just hanging out in the normal, where's that going to get me? That's what I thought. So I thought, well, 
I'm just gonna rather than dip the toes, I'm diving, I'm diving in, yeah. I'm putting all these eggs in this basket. I'm just gonna do what I think is best. Uh, because I don't think at that time I didn't have the capabilities of doing much more than that. Yeah. To be honest. That's that's great advice. And what what's uh, what's next for you? You know, on the horizon as far as uh, you know, um, you know your art and, and what you have what you have going on next. Yeah. Um, well, so there's a I have an exciting competition coming up next year. Uh, it's called Not Grandma's Glass. Okay. It's based out of Detroit, and um, it's in their third season. Um, and it's essentially artists making glass that you wouldn't find in your grandma's closet cool um and so it's got it's great gaining some national kind of um attention like kind of like that glass blowing show that's it's, on netflix it's exactly like that okay. but it's a little different it's not um well actually the the winner of season one uh not grandma's glass was the winner of season three blown away uh, john, oh wow john moran and there's some other artists that have uh, participated in the not grandma's glass that are also kind of on the same tier of artists that do compete against one another in these ways so um, I'm excited to do that. So I'm, I'm actually I'm excited because it's post traumatic, post traumatic stress month, which is June, the national uh, national months. Wait, how do I say that? The nation's national recognition of PTSD. Okay. So I'm making work collectively about that time period for that time period of the next few months. Yeah. Um, and then um, you know I've been doing some things with um, there's just research about what I've been doing with the work um, in terms of the process and how I, I make there's a lot of things that are um, I feel are therapeutic in that process the sounds the visual things that you're doing I'm looking into uh, EMDR therapies which is a lot of lateral eye mm -hmm. movement that um, helps combat against um, um, these types of what would you call it um, just terrible memories just uh, there's yeah. certain certain kind of I'm drawing a blank here there's certain kind of um, phrases used for these things but also AM, ASMR is another sound training but I felt when I'm doing the work it's it's helped me relax my stress and anxieties because yeah. of those kinds of keyed in components to the practice of the work yeah so it's not only the idea of making the work about my experience and sharing those stories uh, there's other things that I'm just knowing that can be used in other art therapy methods and so for me my goals are just to expand the idea of art therapy and what I've done in the last five six years now and using this as a model to help others come to terms of this is a, this is an eligible system that can work art therapy yeah, absolutely and I mean I think we're getting better with that and yeah. we're, we're, we're claiming mental health as a, as a viable conversation now it's not something that we don't talk about we do talk about that on a, on a pretty strong basis in this mm -hmm. day and age so I think that that's important to put in with the idea of change you know hey this is we're changing these narratives so let's change the practices also I mean I'm not saying everybody has to do exactly what I'm doing I think it's just the idea of approach to what you're doing yeah those things that can help benefit you what can you pull out of your mental health from the practice that you do what can you pull out of those things that are positive to help get you in a different headspace because of the art and because of the practice because one you're telling your story and then you're making something to resemble that mm -hmm. so it might be for some people it could be for others to just access and see um, not everybody's gonna make of course or it's just a way to inspire others to go on another path yeah um, that's ultimately what it's about I think yeah well, and I think that veterans make great artists and storytellers and, and all of those different things just because of the experiences that 
that you know that we have 100 so, i, I you think know. that's funny people would ask me in school where do you get all your inspiration i'm like i'm carrying duffel bags yeah. full, full of them yeah from those experiences yeah so it's, absolutely that's a funny point yeah. absolutely <laughs> well uh you know jeffrey really appreciate you coming yeah. on um and and sharing your experience man this has been really great thank you um where where can people find you uh you know if someone's listening they want to they want to see your work or yeah you know, um, connect you can find me on my, my website is jeffreybolton.com. Okay. Um, it's old we'll, English spelling. So we'll put a, we'll put a link it to it in the, <laughs> in the, in the notes, you know, we'll make sure that we have that in yeah, there for um, folks I'm to sh- be able to find you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also showing work at Bainbridge Arts and Crafts this month. There's a, it's a kind of installation, a memorial piece of about seven different pieces. Um, so it's just kind of explaining or expressing the, the experience of the battalion that I served with okay. and what they went through. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm always kind of active putting my work out there. So right now it's been that, and um, this next year is this competition coming up for June next year, the NGG. Um, yeah, I think, uh, and then just trying to pry open what's next. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, best of luck on that competition. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely be rooting for you here. Um, Gabby, do you have anything else you want to add? Just thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. All righty. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Creative State. I hope you enjoyed these conversations as much as we enjoyed putting them together. You can learn more about the work that we do at arts.wa.gov. Thank you again, and I hope your days are full of creativity and discovery.